Be encouraged. Be encouraged. God is at work. Be encouraged. God is at work. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 11 tonight. And uh, we're going to reference some things in Acts chapter 10 as well. So you may be flipping the page back and forth a little bit. But the, uh, but the scripture for our message tonight is going to come Acts chapter 11. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. And I want to ask this question before we get started. How many of you would say that you have ever seen the hand of God at work in your life? I do want to see some hands tonight. How many of you have seen the hand of God working in your life? Amen. Um, I think all of us, if we are saved, we could say that that is the case. I want to share something with you. Um, I should have already had this pulled up, but I got a message earlier this afternoon, and some of you may have gotten it as well, uh, from Roger and Jennifer Bass. And uh, most everybody here knows who that is, and they know of Jennifer's struggle for the past, oh, good many years. Uh, she needs two organs donated. And she has been working uh, diligently to get her body in the shape that it can be in to receive these organs. And we've prayed and we've heard reports of how things are going and we've, we've been encouraged by some of the news and maybe a little bit discouraged by some of the other news. And I'm not sure how many of you are aware, but they had taken her off of the list and felt that she was not a good candidate for any of this. And that's what she heard locally. But she and Roger uh, tonight are in Atlanta for a two-day evaluation with the transplant team at Emory. And they are very uh, positive that they can get her back on the list and, and do something for her. That's, encourage, that's encouraging, isn't it? And they also said uh, that if they had had her from the get-go, uh, they really would have never taken her off. They didn't see any issues, so it's interesting uh, how what a different perspective you can get uh, with, different, with different medical teams, isn't it? But God's hand, they would say, has certainly been at work on their journey through all of this. Um, this is what they said in the last half of their God opened this door and prayed that I will get a liver and kidney. It's all in God's hands like it's always been. I have faith. So, amen, right? And God is working there for sure, and everybody here, um, uh, I look like every hand that was up that said, I have seen, I have felt, I have experienced God's hand at work in my life. And the good thing is, God wants us to see His hand at work. It's not something that He doesn't want us to see, or He's trying to hide from us. I think sometimes it's almost like God has caused a roadblock, and He's got flares lit and lights flashing and he's trying to say hello 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 I'm at work in your situation and you feel like sometimes you've experienced that where it's just almost been like a, a I don't want to say a slap in the face has everybody has anybody ever gotten a slap in the face from God before that's a question isn't it we'll talk about that another time but let's go to Acts chapter 11 and we're going to look at some some ways that we can be encouraged by looking at how God was working in this particular situation, which absolutely had a profound impact on us uh, as non-Jewish people. Let me put it that way. All right, so Acts chapter 11, verse number 1. And the apostles and brethren 
that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, I'm just going to put some emphasis here, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them? But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or clean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately... Now, how quick is immediately? It's so quick it happened before you could answer, right? Immediately. And behold, immediately there were three men already coming to the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he shewed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words by thou and all thy house, say it with me, shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For, for, amen. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And we'll finish reading there uh, in chapter 11. We'll come back to some of those verses too, so kind of keep your, your Bible open there. But the first thing I want us to look at and be able to see that God's hand is at work, not just here but also in our lives, is that He shows to you and me the things that are important. And He tells to you and me the things that we need to know. He, he, is, a, he is really good at that, isn't He? Sometimes things are so plain... Uh, and, and, and so obvious that we just don't get it, right? You understand what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? But he likes to enlighten us as to what is important and as to what matters. And it's really crucial that we, we know what's important. But a lot of times we get, um, we get distracted from what's important and where we should be and what we should be, do what we should be doing. Now back in chapter 10... And I'm going to be looking at verses 4, 5, and 6 if you want to just flip back there. But back in chapter 10, we can read that God sent an angel to a Roman centurion, and his name was Cornelius. And 
And verse 4, the angel said to Cornelius that his prayers and his alms have come up for a memorial before God. And then he said, Now send to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. So just before those men got to the house where Peter was staying, Peter had the vision that he had, and from that got the understanding that the gospel was not just for the Jewish people. So in all that was orchestrated here by our great God, our our Father, our Creator, He sent the angel and gave gave the vision to this man, and then He gave the vision to Peter, and everything coincided and worked out just perfectly, didn't it? Peter got it. Peter understood what he was supposed to get. And immediately after the vision, here come these men. Immediately. We figured that immediately is just like that. Um, he understood that the gospel was not just for the Jews. The gospel was for who? Everybody. The gospel was for all people. So Peter ended up going to Cornelius's house and he preached the truth to the people that were gathered there. And also in chapter 10, beginning with with verse 36, you see the gospel. You see our gospel here. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil... And God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to those who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And here we have... We have information, we have uh, evidence that he was seen and he, and, and he was with people after he died, after he rose again. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile listed here, but there is, a, uh, there is a name, there is a word that, that means everybody. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So the Gentiles that had gathered at Cornelius' that day trusted in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit fell upon him just like what took place on the day of Pentecost. And that was proof enough for Peter to recognize that they had been Saved, And then later on in chapter 10, he told them to be baptized. And all this happened. And can you imagine Peter's frame of mind? Can you imagine how excited he was to experience this? If you had been Peter, how would you have felt? That, that you know, when he had a minute to sit down and think about it, how God had orchestrated everything and had pointed to him uh, in the direction that all people, the gospel is for all people, and then provided a, an escort for him to a house where people were gathered that were going to be saved. Just, just amazing what took place. 
So you can imagine Peter's excitement when he was going to be able to go back to Jerusalem and share this with everybody, because everybody is going to be excited about this, right? You think? You think they're going to like it? Let's see what happens. Um, again, this, this story of amazing grace, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. But what we sometimes see people doing is holding on to the old ways and thinking and, and doing things and feeling like this is not for just anybody. This is just for us. Uh, not those people, but for us. We, we carry a similar attitude with, with people in the world today. Um, is it in our realm of thinking that, that someone who has been uh, raised up in the Muslim way of, of doing things, uh, Islam, uh, any other cult or any other religion, are, are we thinking that it's possible that they can hear the gospel of Christ and be saved as well? What about people who are living in alternate lifestyles and things that we know that the Word of God does not condone and, is, and that God is not pleased with? Is it possible for these individuals to get saved? Is it possible for an individual that has said, I will never darken the doors of a church. I will never have anything to do with you religious, two-faced, uh, holy rollers. I will never do. Is it for the gospel of, of Jesus Christ to pierce through all of that, to break through all of that unbelief and negativity and hit to the heart of a person and that person be saved? Is there anyone... Is there anyone that the gospel is not for? It's for all people, is it not? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And anyone who would receive Jesus could, would, and will be saved. That's what we know to be true. And that's what mattered the most, that everybody knew that the gospel was for them. And it matters the most because that's what matters the most to God. That's what God wants. God, God sent His Son to come down here and be just like you and me, as we said this morning, in the hopes that we would let Him into our lives. But unfortunately, some of the people, some of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem were not going to let go of the Old Testament prohibitions against the Gentiles. Verses 1 through 3 said, as we read earlier, Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard, Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So what this shows us is that sometimes God's people get their priorities out of, out of balance. They get things messed up. Uh, nothing in the world is more important to God than for someone to know Him and to allow Him into their lives. But the from what, the, uh, from what the Jewish people were saying and how they were acting, it really wasn't all that important to them. But shouldn't God's chosen people, what's important to God, shouldn't it be important to them? But they were, they were going to go through a learning experience, weren't they? Have you ever thought one way and then the Scriptures were opened up to you and you realized the way that you thought was an error and this is how things really were? I've, that's happened to me many times in my life. Um, and a lot of it comes from things that we hear and things that we read. And uh, I think some good advice is don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Uh, he, he said, trust me, try me, prove me. 
uh, we need to do the same thing with, with uh, philosophies and, and things that people are saying about the Word of God. How many times have we gotten very easy things wrong, like uh, spare the rod and spoil the child, and money is the root of all evil. These are not things from the Bible. They're pretty close, but they're not exact. And when you find out that it is spare the rod and hate the child, and the love of money is the root of all evil, it changes our perspective. But these people were getting ready to go through uh, a learning experience. And they, you know, what you want to hear them say is, well, praise the Lord, those people got saved. But that is not what happened. Basically, uh, it was like you went into a Gentile's house and ate with them. How disgusting. Did you, did you go get sterilized afterwards? And, and you didn't eat anything while you were there, did you? You know, you can just hear them. And you went into their house and... Oh, I can't imagine what that would be like. But God knew that when Cornelius got saved, there was going to be some contention at the church in Jerusalem. We read that in Scripture. So God showed His hand at work in a powerful way. He showed them what was really important, like He does for you and me. He let them know what really, what really mattered. And we see his hand at work again in the way that everything played out and the way that he orchestrated everything. And it's awesome to sit back and think about that. But God's people then, God's people today, we get our priorities mixed up and sometimes we miss the things that really matter. We miss the things that really matter. Um, You know, it's almost like we're living upside down sometimes, isn't it? We, we, we value human life uh, as a child of God. We know that each life is precious. And some of us are probably still coming to terms and, and understanding things, and I'll say that I am too, about abortion. And we, we feel strongly, and generally people of the faith feel this way, that abortion is wrong and that it is murder. And that there are, there are people who would gladly... Um, adopt children that weren't wanted you know uh, a lot of children are born because someone was raped or assaulted and the, the 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 feelings and the emotions and the thoughts that go with that are very hard and difficult to to process but but every life is precious and no life is a mistake that's how we need to view things but, you know, we need to work on issues like providing uh, health care and opportunities for people who don't see an out, any other out, than to get rid of this child. We have to work things out in a way that they see that there are options another way. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen? And I kind of took that a little farther than I intended, but... Sometimes on this earth, it seems like the life of an animal or a tree is more important than the life of a human being. Our priorities have gotten messed up, and we're not looking and seeing what really matters, are we? And I can remember a time when, when to hear that line that Rhett Butler said to Scarlett O'Hara at the end of Gone with the Wind, I think probably everybody knows what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it, so I'm not even going to show it on the screen. Uh, to hear that was, we would gasp and our jaw would drop. And nowadays, you can't turn your TV on without hearing uh, terrible language and seeing things that we are not, we don't need to be seeing. And so we just kind of 
again, we're just kind of living in an upside-down world, and, and we get all of this bad news and all this negati negativity thrown at us from, from the news, and we can get distressed, and, and we can become like Peter when he was on the stormy sea, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. And we see all this turmoil and all these storms around us and we take our eyes off Jesus and we begin to sink and we begin to get discouraged. And we tend to forget that God is still in control of everything. And we just need to, when we see things like this and we get discouraged, we need to go and talk to Him about it. And we need to ask Him, say, God, restore, restore the joy of my salvation and remind me that, that things are going to work out and and things that seem impossible and, and, and things that seem like there is no good thing that can come out of this. You take those things and you make good out of them. Remind me of that. And those, I think, are the moments when we see His hand at work in our lives. And we are reminded and brought back and shown what really matters. Sometimes we look at the problems and... And we forget who's really in control. We need to keep our eyes on Him. And when we do, what He reminds us of are the things that really matter, like worship and witnessing, sharing our faith and helping others and loving God and, and loving each other. So we see that in the Scripture. We see Him reminding Peter, letting Peter know what really matters. And I don't think God loves Peter any more than He loves you, so He will do the same for you and me. He will show us in our lives what really matters. What else does he, does he show us here? I think he, he works in our lives to encourage us to trust Him more. He encourages us to trust Him more. He wants us to, to trust Him more and more every day. And that's, you know, that's one of the main reasons why he sent this vision to Peter. He wanted Peter to see, I know how things have always been, and I know the way the Jewish people have always thought. But I want you to trust me on this, that this message of salvation is not just for the Jewish people. It's for all people, everywhere. And this is what Peter said. Um, Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. He said, I was in the city of Joppa and I was praying and in a trance I saw this vision and an object came down. It was like a big sheet let down from heaven by the four corners and... I looked at it and I saw animals and beasts and creeping things and birds of the air. And then I heard a voice telling me to get up and kill these animals and eat them. And I said, no, Lord, nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered again and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. These words, this conversation is bringing Peter to a point where he wants, God wants Peter to trust him. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm telling you, telling you here. Now this was done three times and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we entered the man's house. So God acted in, a, in an amazing way here to build up the faith of Peter. And he does that to us as well. And in those moments where you acknowledged a few minutes ago, where you have seen his hand at work in your life, those opportunities were opportunities for your faith to grow and your trust to grow as well. But I want to point something out here 
And something that Peter left out that was in chapter 10, verse 20, that he didn't put in in, uh, chapter 11. And we see in uh, chapter 10 that he said, Arise, therefore, this is what the voice said, Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. For I have sent them. So after that, is there any question who, who these people are from, who these people have been sent by that have told him, hey, come with us to this house in Caesarea? <clears throat> he said, he told, him, he told him plain as day, for I have sent these men. Go on down, go with them. Don't doubt anything, for I have sent them. And I believe the word of God, when it comes to you and me, when we're in our times of indecision and questions, think that when we seek we will find that's what scripture says and we find things in scripture that help us to see beyond any shadow of a doubt that our God is for us not against us and he can take the bad and make it good and he loves us and he will never leave us and he will never forsake us and we can count on all of these things no matter what your situation and we all have situations don't we uh have you ever have you ever I think a common phrase and for, for us Christians should be, uh, you might need to back off, I'm having a situation. You know, uh, unusual situations, difficult situations, unexpected situations. These things happen. And what he wants us to do in those situations is to trust him. He is encouraging Peter in this scripture to trust him. He is encouraging us to trust him as well. And what happens is that a lot of times we get these encouragements from the Word of God, but sometimes something miraculous happens in our lives and reminds us how great He is. Again, those moments where we have said that we have felt God's hand in our lives. And sometimes God does like He did here and arranges some special timing circumstances. Like when the men showed up right after the vision and how the angels showed up at Cornelius' house before all this took place and told him to send the men to go get Peter. God is always working to build up our faith. He is always working to build up our faith. And that's so wonderful, so good for us to know. Uh, Peter tells us in chapter 1 of 1 Peter that we have been born again that we are not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the, cro- of, of the grass. The grass withers and its flower f- falls away but the word of the Lord endures forever. So we've got God's hand working in our lives. We've got this special timing that takes place sometimes, these miraculous things that happen and we have the blessed gift of the word of God to show us and remind us of the things that really matter, but also to encourage us to trust Him more. And the Word of God truly is one of the greatest miracles, isn't it, that we have. Where would we be without it? Uh, uh, where Where would we get our truth? How would we know who Jesus is? How would we know how to live and how He wants us to live without the Word of God? It is one of the greatest blessings that we have. I want to move right along and try to finish uh, these next two points that I want to give before we leave tonight. 
Not only does he encourage us to trust him, but he also enlists us to witness for him. He has given you a story to tell to the nations. Uh, A story about how he has changed your life. Take just a moment. This will just thrill you to no end. And think about how your life has changed since you have met Jesus. Think about the good that has happened, the things that have just shown you how much He loves you. Situations that were distressing and He came in and He helped you out. I want you to think about some of those moments. Those are the moments that you can take to an individual that is lost and doesn't believe in miracles, doesn't believe in God, and you can tell them, hey, let me just share with you what God has done. Really, nobody can argue uh, what God has done in your life because really, probably, in the conversation that you're having, the only people that were there were you and God. You know, it's between you and God. And no one can take that away from you either. That's something very special, isn't it? And it's so special that we, we need to share it with other people. And one thing, we need to share but not compare because my story is different than your story and, and your story is different than their story. And what we know that is common is that he died for us and he took care of our sin for us. But what we may have that's different is the age that we came to this knowledge and to this understanding and what has happened in our lives since that happened and how God has revealed himself to me in my life in different situations. So he wants us, he wants to enlist us to be a witness for him. He's told us to go into all the world and to make disciples. And he has said that as we do that, he will be with us. We can see everything coming together in verses 12 through 15. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. So we've got a lot of stuff working against our, our guy Peter here. Uh, from even going to see Cornelius because of who he was. And Peter's religious background would tell him not to even go there. Don't waste your time. Don't step foot in his house. But God overcame all of that when he basically said, I want you to go, and I sent these people to come and get you to go. And I shared what I just shared with you so you'll have something to tell them when you get there. And again, there's a God that provides everything we need, everything that we need. And, you know, there's so much that, there's so much that comes against us when we try to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So much came against Peter, but he overcame those things. And there's so much that comes against us. Uh, sinfulness, the sinfulness of the individual that you're trying to share the gospel with, the sin that is in our lives. How can I go and talk to somebody about Jesus and how he, he's forgiven me of my sins when I, when just this morning I, you fill in the blanks, or just a little bit ago I had this thought or I, I allowed this to happen in my life. 
And there's that that works against us. And plus, we're busy. We're busy people. We've got stuff going on all the time. So there's so much working against us to even share the, the good news that we have to share. And you can guarantee that the devil is going to do everything he can to keep us from witnessing. And a lot of what he does is throwing stuff back up in your face. So we feel inadequate and we don't feel worthy to even say the name of Jesus. But he encourages us to trust in him and he enlists us to tell others who he is and what he's done in our life. And look at the team he put together here. He put together a team that included an angel, uh, uh, Peter, uh, other godly people, and he put this team together to go and make this happen. But I've, missed, I've left out the most important person in this group of people, and that is God himself. Because he doesn't tell you to go and then say, when you're done, I'll be right here, come and tell me how it went. He doesn't do that, does he? He goes, oh, and I'm with you. I'm going with you. I'll be right there the whole time. And so he this team together, and we, we know the results. You know, Cornelius waited, had been waiting eagerly to hear words about Jesus Christ and what he had done and how he loved him and how he gave his life on Calvary's cross for him and how he, they laid him in a tomb and that he rose again and that he will save you, Cornelius, and he will save those in your house if you will put your trust in him. And we know what happened. We know what happened. The Holy Spirit was in that place and they got saved. And that was a, a time of, of great celebration. A time of great celebration. And even though the Jewish people initially didn't like what was, what was being said, in the end things worked out to where they were excited about what happened. There's one more thing I want to bring out about our scripture tonight. And that is this, and this is probably the most obvious thing. Uh, he he sh tries to show us what, what really matters in life, and he, he wants us to trust him, and he enlists us to share the good news. But all that comes about, too, because he has, his big thing is establishing a life-changing relationship with you. That's his, that's his whole thing. You know, sometimes you can take a step back, back from all this and you think, okay, we have a creator and he made mankind and he loved mankind. And we know from this morning from the scripture that we read that he came unto them and they received him not. And can you imagine the heart of the creator and experiencing rejection from his creation? Uh, I'm not sure fully how it affects him. But I do know that it had such an impact or made such an impact that he, from the beginning of time, came up with a plan to get you to allow him to be a part of your life and me. And that involved sending his very best to give all that he had after he had come to become like us, who gave all that he had, his life, his breath, his blood, he gave all that he had because he wants you. And that's, that's encouragement. And not only does he want you, but he wants everybody else out there as yet to make a decision. And so through this scripture, you and I can be encouraged 
And we can know that we can trust God and we can know that He has called us to share our story because He longs for that relationship. He longs for the relationship that He has with you. He wants that with the lost out in this world as well. And our privilege, our great privilege, yeah, we're, we're still making mistakes and we are still sinning and we live in a fallen world and things don't always go according to plan. But He wants to use you. He wants to use me in the middle of all that to show people what the difference is between darkness and light. So a change took place in Cornelius' house that day. A couple of things actually changed. First of all, there was a change because salvation took place in the lives of these individuals. They were saved and that's, that's, that's the great thing. That's what it was all about. For Peter, that's what it was all about. For God, that's why he set things up the way that he did. But then also those individuals that had a life change because of their salvation now got, gets to make the change of becoming submissive to the will of God. Being submissive to what God wants. I want to submit to you because you know what's best for me. And so that's where we're at. You know, I know we've got a, a, maybe a church full of saved people here. Maybe there's some that aren't. But, but you know, I, there's a good, good chance and, and a possibility that everybody here has a personal relationship with Jesus. So this is for you. How submissive are you to what God wants to do in your life? It's very clear from the story that we've heard about Peter tonight that he wants us to trust him completely and realize that we can go out into a world that needs to hear about Jesus and tell them about Jesus. Because we know Jesus, because we've had an experience with Jesus, and we have seen his hand at work in our lives, and we can share that with people. Are we submissive to that? Are we willing to do that? That's the message for you. And for the one that or two or few that may not be in a relationship with Jesus Christ... He wants you to be in a relationship with Him because He loves you. And He loves you just the way you are. And He wants you to know that all those things that cause guilt and shame in your life and fear and worry and frustration and that sin that you know you're, you're in, involved in, he wants, he wants to take that from you. He wants to take that shame. He wants to take that guilt. And He wants you to know that He died for that sin. And, and your, your question may still be, why? Why did he do it? Why would he do that? Why would he take a day, I don't know what part of the year this was, why would he take a day to set up things so that some people in a house in Caesarea could get saved? What's so special about those people? Well, it's the same thing that's special about you. You are His creation and He loves you and He wants to be in a relationship with you. And the bigger picture here, as you throw the rock in the water and the circles get bigger and bigger, the bigger picture here is that we have learned through stories like this that, that the gospel is for all people. For all people. And that is something <clears throat> for us to celebrate. Amen. Let's all stand. As we bow our heads, I, I'm just really encouraged tonight. 
just by reading some scripture that we probably read many times over. And I'm seeing, uh, again, things that maybe I always knew, but boy, I, I just need to be reminded of. And I'm encouraged that I have a creator that, that knows me, for one thing, because there's a lot of people on this, on this big ball floating around in space. And he knows me. He knows you. Lori's saying, he knows your voice. He knows your voice. He knows, he knows all about you. He made you. And for some of us, that would be reason enough for him not to have anything to do with me. But he chooses to. He loves you. And he wants in a relationship with you. And for those of us that are saved, but still we go around feeling defeated, realize the victory that you have. That you are loved by God. And nothing that you have ever done or could ever do will change that. I'm going to ask Carol Buff, if you will, to dismiss us tonight.